Yet another preseason accolade has come in for Miami Hurricanes quarterback Tyler Van Dyke. And no, I don't think he's going to disappoint me or anyone this year. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. I'm rocking a vintage Ken Dorsey today. I do have a, a, a vintage. Actually, that's not a vintage. That one's a throwback. This one's vintage, but I've got a Jim Kelly hanging I've got a Ken Dorsey on. It's because we're going to talk a little bit about Tyler Van Dyke today, who I hope cements himself as the next great Miami Hurricanes football quarterback. Uh, there was practice this morning at the U. Full pads were on today, my friends. And Tyler Van Dyke, a.k.a. Tyler Van Dimes, a.k.a. TV Dinner, threw a couple of Van Dimes on deep balls to Xavier Restrepo today. Uh, and it seems like a little bit better of a day overall for wide receivers actually catching balls and not dropping balls, because I know that there were still some of the dropsies on Monday and reportedly Saturday at the closed scrimmage, there were some drops there as well. So you want to see the wide re receivers stepping up. So Miami, today's Thursday. For those who are, you know, maybe listening to this later or watching this later, it is Thursday. So we are two days away are the Hurricanes from their second scrimmage of fall camp. The first one was last Saturday. The second one is this Saturday. I think it's also going to be closed. We'll find out for sure uh, later in the week, but I think this one's also going to be closed to fans and media. So the defense definitely won the first scrimmage. So the offense is going to try and punch back and win the second. The offense had some early moments uh, in the first scrimmage, and then the defense, specifically the defensive front, and Akeem Mesador, who reportedly was just massive in that first scrimmage, ended up controlling most of the day. But let's talk about TV dinner. So he has been named, has Tyler Van Dyke, uh, a top 25 player by ESPN heading into the coming season. Uh, I think they had a full 100 list, but Tyler Van Dyke, Cracked the top 25. Here's what ESPN had to say about Tyler Van Dyke. Van Dyke started last season as a backup quarterback, they said, as all eyes focused on De'Eric King. But after King got hurt early in the season, Van Dyke stepped in and started the final nine games, earning ACC Rookie of the Year honors after throwing for 2,931 yards, 25 touchdowns to only six interceptions. He ended 2021 with six straight 300-yard passing games, and at least three touchdown passes as well in those six straight. The first Power 5 quarterback to do so in a single season since LSU's Joe Burrow in 2019. So I know that that's not a whole lot of time. Only two years separated Burrow from TVD. But remember Joe Burrow in 2019 when he cemented himself as the top overall draft pick for 2020? That 2019 season for Burrow, um, best collegiate quarterbacking season I've seen my entire life. I mean, it was and arguably the best statistical season any quarterback has had in college football. So Tyler Van Dyke did something in 2021. He didn't have all the numbers that Burrow had, but TVD did something in 2021 that hadn't been done since 
Joe Burrow having one of the greatest seasons in college football history. So that is something. Let me give you the others in the top 25. So Tyler Van Dyke, a top 25 player according to ESPN. Do you guys think he should be ranked higher? Do you think 25 is too high? Let us know. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Canes. If you follow us at Locked On Canes, we will follow you back. If you tweet us, there's a decent chance your tweet will get read or even answered on the show if you ask us a question. So uh, in the top 25, number one, Will Anderson Jr., the outside linebacker from Bama, could end up being the top overall draft pick next year, kind of depending on how much of a quarterback frenzy there is, because he may be the best overall player. He could be the top draft pick. Uh, Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback, is number two. C.J. Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback, is number three. He's the Heisman favorite, C.J. Stroud. Uh, Jackson Smith in Jigba. I, I always feel like I mispronounce his name. The wide receiver from Ohio State is number four. Bijan Robinson, running back from Texas, is number five. Jalen Carter, DT from Georgia, number six. Uh, Travion Henderson, running back from Ohio State, is number seven. Brock Bowers, tight end from Georgia, number eight. Uh, then you've got Jordan Addison, former pit wide receiver, now USC at number nine. Caleb Williams, uh, number 10, the third quarterback on the list, USC quarterback formerly of Oklahoma. I think he's going to have a really big year when you consider Lincoln Riley and Jordan Addison catching balls there. I think Caleb, I'm not going to argue Caleb Williams being ranked ahead of TBD. I hope TBD proves me wrong on that. Uh, let me let me go. I'm going to cherry pick the ACC guys on this list because I don't want to be on here forever talking about this. So the next uh, ACC quarterback, the first ACC quarterback actually on the list is Devin Leary from North Carolina State at number 19. And then you've got Sam Hartman from Wake Forest at number 21. Now let, let's talk about those two being ranked uh, a couple spots ahead of Tyler Van Dyke. So Devin Leary at number 19. Um, I think Tyler Van Dyke could definitely have a better year than Leary. I think that's going to probably depend on the teammates for both because I like both of these quarterbacks a lot. Leary a little bit more experienced heading into a junior season, whereas TVD is a sophomore. And yeah, Devin Leary was fantastic last year. Miami did beat him, and Tyler Van Dyke did beat him head-to-head, -head, though. Let's not forget. Uh, but Leary, you know, he did have a higher completion percentage last year than Van Dyke. at 65%. Uh, TVD was just under 63, which was really good, of course. Uh, and Leary threw for over 3,400 yards and had 35 touchdowns. Now, Tyler Van Dyke projects, at least at the moment, to be a higher draft pick than Devin Leary next year. Uh, assuming TBD comes out and assuming Leary comes out because they could both keep playing if they wanted to. Uh, Leary projects at the moment to be a third round pick. TBD projects to be a first round pick. I think Tyler Van Dyke, uh, and we're nitpicking here because they're both very good. The TBD has a little bit better touch on his throws. And I also think Tyler Van Dyke, this is what a lot of the scouts tell me because I'm not a professional when it comes to scouting. I, I try and play one on the radio and on video sometimes, but that Tyler Van Dyke really uh, processes well and very quickly going through his reads, maybe does that a little bit better than Devin Leary does. So you also have Sam Hartman higher on the list than Tyler Van Dyke. Now, I guess they put him on the list just out of respect for what he did last year, because isn't Hartman going to probably miss the entire season? I know that they haven't confirmed that uh, he is out quote unquote indefinitely for a non-football related health issue. I don't know the details on that. I don't want to speculate what that might be. I don't know what he's going through, but I don't know. It, it sounds to me like he's going to miss the majority of, if not the entire season. So yeah, I'm expecting 
Tyler Van Dyke to have a better season than Sam Hartman for mainly for that reason. So Tyler Van Dyke, I I've heard the way that some folks predict the type of season TBD is going to have. And most everyone is really optimistic and really bullish about Tyler, whether it's somebody who cheers for Miami or somebody who doesn't, if it's somebody completely objective, if such a thing even exists, most people are very bullish on Tyler Van Dyke. I do every now and then though, I catch wind of so-called professional sports commentators who think what he did over the final six games last year was a fluke and there's going to be regression for him. Some people even say he's going to end up being a bust in his second year. And then others will bring up, and maybe there's, uh, I think this is wrong, but there might be a little bit more validity to this that, you know, that he might just take a step back numbers wise uh, because you've got now an offensive coordinator in Josh Gaddis who oversaw a very run heavy offense at Michigan. I will say it though, that I think Josh Gaddis, you judge his history, he's the type that takes what the personnel gives to him. That if he's got personnel that favors a very run-heavy offense, that's what you're going to get. If you've got personnel that favors a more pass-heavy offense and you've got a quarterback like Tyler Van Dyke, I think there's going to be balance. I don't think it's going to be a pass-heavy or a run-heavy offense. I think the offense is going to be balanced this year. So, no, I don't think that Josh Gaddis is going to be a reason why TBD doesn't have a great year. Uh, I think to me, really, the only two possibilities for Tyler Van Dyke regressing this year, number one, obviously something you never want to happen to anybody would be the potential of injury. I don't want to jinx anything here. Let's hope he stays good and healthy. But then the other thing would be wide receivers, right? Because if he's dropping dimes left and right and just nobody's catching anything, which is kind of how the spring game went, then that could obviously affect him. But no, I don't think TVD is going to disappoint anyone. Tyler Van Dyke, you go back to what he did last year, 62.3% completions last year. That was good for sixth best in Miami history in a single season as a quarterback. Through 25 touchdowns last year, that was only in nine games played through 25 touchdowns. Imagine what what it would have been if he had started the entire season, if they had played a bowl game, because remember Miami didn't play their bowl game last year due to COVID. Uh, His 25 touchdown passes were seventh best in Miami history, only six interceptions, which is a heck of a ratio. And he was named ACC Rookie of the Year and ACC Offensive Rookie of the Year, a little bit redundant, but, uh, you know, overall and offensive. He joined Duke Johnson and Brad Kaya as the only other Canes to take both of those honors in the ACC. So that was big. You know, he's on the... O'Brien watch list. He's on the Maxwell watch list. He's considered to be on the somewhat short list of Heisman favorites. Uh, And again, some analysts have claimed TVD is going to be a bust or regress this year. I do not see that. Okay. He threw for over 2,900 yards last year in just nine games played. Uh, If Tyler wasn't improving in practice and through Miami's offseason programs, if he wasn't improving, believe me, I would know, and you guys would know, okay? You would see signs of it in practice. You would get hints about it based on the way the coaches talk about the quarterbacks because then it would be a competition. If Tyler Van Dyke wasn't showing progress, it would be a true, earnest competition between Tyler Van Dyke and Jake Garcia. It's not that. Tyler Van Dyke is the man. Tyler Van Dyke is the starter, and I like Jake Garcia a lot. I think he's got a very bright future, and I think he's going to be the man in 2023 after TBD is the man again in 2022. There's no sign of regression, folks. 
In fact, there are clear, clear signs with TBD, if I can speak correctly, there are clear signs of progression, not regression. Tyler has complete command of the offense, complete command of the locker room. Um, you know, based on what he's been working on in the offseason, he's adding size, he's adding muscle, he's trying to become a little bit quicker. He did run the football effectively last year. Um, and, you know, if he can become even quicker, I'm not going to say he's going to be a, a dual threat per se, but a little bit more borderlining on a dual threat. Uh, and he's someone who grasped and understood Josh Gaddis's offense extremely quickly. So I'm expecting that to translate on the field. But again, his wide receivers have actually got to catch passes. So TVD, uh, I think he's going to end up being a little bit higher than 25. By the time the season is over, uh, I'm happy and I'm honored on his behalf that he's considered a top 25 player preseason by ESPN. I think he's going to move up at least a few spots by season's end. Guys, we have a lot to get to on this episode, including Mario Cristobal's take on his wide receivers and the competition there. Alex Mirabal's take on the progress of the offensive line and what they have to do to bounce back from that first scrimmage where they lost to the defensive line. There's no question about that. And we're going to do some Q&A and talk a little bit of recruiting I don't know if we're going to have time to get everything in on this episode. I'm just being honest. So we're going to have to talk really, really fast. So keep it locked here to Locked on Canes. Guys, let's talk about the importance of driving sober. You're hanging out with some friends. You're putting back a few drinks. A few then becomes too many. And as the evening comes to an end, people start to head out. You're thinking of calling for a ride. But then you say to yourself, nah, I live nearby. We can make it home. Okay, it's no big deal. It is a big deal, guys. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? Even so, what's the worst that can happen? What, your insurance goes up, you lose your license, lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic, guys, and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads. They're doing that to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Thanks again for making Locked on Canes your first listen every day. The ultimate college football preview show is here. A seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, and Odyssey College football insiders. It's everything you need to be ready for the college football season all in one spot. Search for ultimate college football preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys. So let's, let's take a look here at... Um, what Cristobal has had to say this week about the wide receivers, where he called them a work in progress. Uh, kudos to my colleague Luke Cheney from uh, from All Hurricanes. I don't know why it took me a second. All I work for that uh, for that network. I should know this. All Hurricanes on Sports Illustrated. Um, this is what Cristobal told him: the receiver position continues to be a work in progress. He said, "We're trying multiple guys at multiple positions." We're going to keep that competition alive. It needs to be and demand the most of them. And really, we're not going to sugarcoat it. We need to keep getting better at a lot of positions. That's on. That's one of them. There is progress, but we've still got to have more. There's a lot of room for growth, he said. So, um, you know, we've talked about different players flashing at times. We just need more consistency. Uh, Xavier Restrepo has been flashing at times playing in the slot position. I really want the outside guys to flash as well. 
Um, Jacoby George has had some really good moments in practice. Romello Brinson has had some really good moments. Keyshawn Smith, uh, I understand, had some good plays in the scrimmage this past Saturday. The problem has been drops. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping that for a lot of these guys, maybe the mental reps of learning a new offense and learning a new route tree, that maybe all the things that they're learning might be distracting them a little bit from catching the football. And this is something they build more consistency on in the near future. I think it's also worth noting that, you know, a year ago at this time, the wide receiver position didn't look very consistent. And then you ended up having a couple guys stepping up and having career years, right? Because um, I don't think we really knew exactly how good Charleston Rambo was going to be until the season started. He didn't flash as much in camp as he did when the lights were actually on. And, you know, Mike Harley obviously had been around for a long time. Uh, he ended up setting all the career records. He had a really good season. So even like last year at this time, you had a lack of consistency at receiver. And then a couple of guys really stepped up in a big way. Let's hope the same thing can happen again this year. And I know that they're well coached. You know, the offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis, is also the wide receivers coach. He spends a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with these guys. And so, yeah, let's just hope that you find that consistency. Uh, here's what Xavier Restrepo said. That's a big emphasis right now in the, in the receiving room. It's catching balls, he said, talking about the drops. We're just going to stay on our guys, keep catching, even myself, just stay consistent with the catching. Uh, he says, I take 100% ownership of all that, whether it's third team, fourth team, first team, second team, it's on me. So every drop you see out there, it is on me, he said. Here's what Alex Mirabal had to say about the offensive line coming out of the first scrimmage. They've been extremely responsive to the physical and mental demands of camp, he said. Camp should not be easy, should challenge you mentally and physically. What I tell them is anybody can do what you do in the weight room, the walkthroughs, the meeting room. What separates is what you do on the practice field, he said. Not everybody can go all the periods we do in the blazing hot sun, the humidity for two hours. It's been awesome, he said. He loves that grind, Mirabal. I love Mirabal. There have been highs, lows. Defense got after our tail in the first scrimmage, he said. So it's how are we going to respond next time we're on the field? They responded with a lot of pride and physicality. So we've been seeing good stuff in practice since, which I love to hear. What we did Saturday wasn't good enough for our team, so we have to respond. That's really, really cool to see. So some optimism from Mirabal coming out of the first scrimmage into practice the following week. And then we're going to find out, hopefully, after this coming Saturday scrimmage, how they responded. So uh, as Gary Furman from Kane Sport noted, this is what the the kind of the quote unquote starting offensive line has looked like so far. I say quote unquote because there's been so much rotation and cross training. Uh, I don't know if what you're for and also injury. So I don't know if what you're seeing right now has a major reflection on what the O-line is going to look like week one or in the first depth chart. Um, so remember, Zion Nelson is going to be coming off injury, hopefully pretty soon. Uh, so for most of the fall, the first team has been from left to right. John Campbell at left tackle, Justice Olawazian or Jalen Rivers at left guard. Uh, I like them both. I think Rivers may be slightly a cut above in my opinion, but I like them both. Uh, Ja'Kai Clark at center, Logan Sagapalu, the Oregon transfer at right guard or Olawazian at right guard. So he's cross training and DJ Scaife at right tackle, who we like a lot. Uh, the second team left to right, Matthew McCoy or Jalen Rivers, Lawrence Seymour, John Dennis, that's another Oregon transfer, 
Usman Traore and Inez Cooper. So that's how your first and second team offensive line have shaken out so far. Want to get into a couple of recruiting notes, okay? Um, we talked a little bit about a lot of these guys with John Garcia from Sports Illustrated, director of football recruiting yesterday. Here's a new updated note on five-star cornerback Cormani McLean, who uh, from Lakeland, Florida. Anytime you're talking about a Lakeland kid, Florida is heavily in the mix for him. Alabama heavily in the mix. Miami also in the mix for Cormani McLean. Cormani McLean told allhurricanes.com that he tentatively plans to announce when his college decision will take place at some point this September. He's expected to choose, they write, between Miami, Alabama, and Florida, while Georgia, that's the one that I was really told to kind of look out for. They're trying to get back in the mix, and other programs are going to make their pitches as well. So Cormani McLean is going to give us an idea in about the next month when he's going to make his decision. Um, you've got a player this good. He's the top cornerback available in the class of 2023. He is a take at every school in America. So he knows he doesn't, some guys choose to do it anyway. Like Francis Maui Goa didn't have to commit to Miami in July. He could have waited if he wanted to, because he's a take anywhere. Same thing with Cormani, a cornerback, but some guys know um, any team on the country is going to make sure they have a scholarship for me. So I don't have to commit early to make sure I have my spot. I can take as much time with this as possible. I think that's what Cormani McLean is doing. So we're going to find out about a month from now when he's going to make his decision. I don't think he's going to make his decision, folks, till early signing day in December at the earliest, because I think he wants to watch. Like if he's as interested as we think he is in Bama and Florida and Miami, I think he'd probably like to watch these guys for a handful of games and just sort of see, uh, especially in the case of Florida and Miami with new coaching staffs, because with Bama <laughs> – you know what you're getting, right? There's not a whole lot of variables. It's, you know, Nick Saban's been doing his thing there for 16, 17 years. So there's not a whole lot of suspense there. But with Bama, with Florida and Miami, I think he'd like to see how these guys come out and look. Uh, so he says, instead of focusing on recruiting right now, Cormani is concentrating on playing cornerback and wide receiver at Lakeland. He's going to be playing cornerback at the next level, not wide receiver. But for now, in high school, he is a two-way player. I like this recruiting note. Miami has offered Tommy Kinsler's younger brother, Tommy Kinsler, a Miami commit interior. Well, I was going to say interior offensive line. He actually mostly plays tackle, but I think he will play interior at Miami more than likely. But Miami has offered his younger brother, Jermaine Kinsler. He's only a true fresh or well, a freshman in high school right now. Uh, he plays tight end and defensive end. But get this. At 14 years old, Jermaine Kinsler is already six foot six, 240 pounds. Insane, right? So, no, this doesn't sound like a kind of a token offer you make to the younger brother of a commit to make that commit feel good. No, this is a legitimate talent, Jermaine Kinsler. Uh, he's uh, starting his freshman season now at Trinity Catholic in Ocala. That's the same school that older brother Tommy goes to. So, you know, it's going to be a long time before Jermaine, who's class of 2026. So it's going to be a long time before Jermaine Kinsler makes his decision. But uh, it's cool that Miami is – I think that was the first offer he actually received. So it's cool that Miami is out front on this one. Um, people ask us all the time about Samson Okunlola. 
one that we really, really want. Five-star offensive tackle out of Massachusetts. We spoke about him with John Garcia yesterday. Uh, according to John, Sampson has been teasing something coming out soon. But he told John Garcia it's not going to be his actual verbal commitment. So I wonder what that is. I think he's probably going to be re releasing his commitment date perhaps coming soon. Like soon he will announce when he's going to announce. That would be my guess. Or maybe he's officially going to narrow down his finalists. And yeah, I ask about Samson all the time. And everyone tells me Miami is still the favorite. But obviously, the longer this goes, the more opportunity that gives other schools to get into the mix. All right. Want to answer a few questions when we come back. We got a question on the health of a couple of Miami injured players. Uh, we got a critique about the show, which I do want to get to. Oh, and man. We got so many questions. I may have to save a couple of these for tomorrow, but keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. And guys, make sure you're keeping it locked to betonline.net. It is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering info from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening now. BetOnline, where the game starts. So we got a question uh, on Twitter by Smitty. Uh, thank you, Smitty. He says, man, this is actually more of a comment than a question, actually, but I'm going to treat it like a question. He says, man, I hope Zion Nelson is healthy for week three at Texas A&M, plus hoping the best for Travante Citizen's recovery. Uh, again, guys, I'm not a doctor, but all of the signs right now for Zion Nelson have been positive, as in good positive, like optimistic, that he's probably even going to be ready, I think, before week three. I think he's going to be pretty soon a full participant again in practice. Again, uh, a few weeks ago, Zion had a scope done on his knee, which the recovery time from those usually aren't so bad, but they estimated like up to like maximum six weeks recovery. So if he's a little bit ahead of, even if he's not ahead of schedule with six weeks, he'd be able to play against Texas A&M. He would have to be behind schedule to miss that game. It sounds like he's a little bit ahead of schedule. So Miami starting left tackle Zion Nelson, obviously take my opinion with a grain of salt because I'm not a doctor and I'm certainly not his doctor, but from everything I'm hearing, because uh, Mario Cristobal said something optimistic about him a few days ago, uh, being a full participant in practice soon. So I'm expecting Miami starting left tackle, Mr. Nelson to be ready to go by, if not before week three at Texas A&M. As far as Travante citizen, yeah, all we can do is wish him the best because, uh, unfortunately, it's it seems like the the lower body injury that he suffered, it sounds like it was severe and that it could very well be a season ender. So um, thoughts up, prayers up for him, and hopefully he's able to keep a very positive attitude, and I know he will, and he's going to work his butt off to come back whenever he's able to come back. Hopefully it's this year. If it's not this year, for next year, come back better and stronger than ever. So our thoughts and prayers with Travante Citizen because an injury setback for someone who, you know, his entire life is football. This is really, really tough thing for him. Uh, we got a, a comment on YouTube from Classic Rock Fan. And thank you for being a longtime viewer and listener of the show. He says, 
Dono, stop being a drama queen. When you started Locked on Canes, it was very informative, he said. But your last few episodes have not been very good as your titles are meant only for clickbait. Uh, okay, so let me say, first of all, and some people may agree with that. Some people may disagree with that. Um, I do this show for you guys. So I value everyone's opinion. I do. Because, you know, we, we don't have a show because I'm, I'm not going to do this if nobody's listening and nobody's watching. So the show is for you guys. I value your opinions. I truly appreciate the feedback. And honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I never want any of our listeners or viewers to be shy about offering criticism. So don't like, don't worry about offending me. I've been doing this way too long to be offended. I take all this stuff very seriously. Uh, so when I put these shows together, everything from the content itself to the titles of the episodes, the descriptions, the thumbnails that you see on YouTube, I am walking a constant tightrope as a new channel because our YouTube has only been around since May. Our audio, at least my version of the audio for this show has only been around since April. Uh, I am walking a constant tightrope on how to get people's attention and bring new listeners and viewers in while also not alienating people like Classic Rock who have been with us since day one, which I truly appreciate. So I'm always striving to find that balance, folks. Finding that balance is what I'm trying to strive for every day because on this channel, we aim to both entertain and inform. And maybe the information is slightly more important but we don't get viewers if not for the entertainment. So I strive to do both. I'm obviously a Canes football supporter. You can see by the gear that I'm wearing, but I try to be as objective as possible while wearing my orange and green color glasses. And, you know, when we go too far with just information, things can get boring. If we go too far with entertainment, things can get too sensationalist. And I don't want the show to be a tabloid either. So we are always trying to be right in the middle. So any feedback you guys have, good, bad, or ugly, send them our way at Locked on Canes on Twitter. And hopefully, even if you think we've been a little bit too sensationalist lately, hopefully you're still enjoying the show because that is the most important thing. But just to take you behind the curtain, we are always trying to find that balance. How do you get new people in? How do you get people's attention? And then how do you respect the listeners and viewers you already have? So... We're going to talk a little bit more about NIL and Ruiz tomorrow because we got a good question about that. In the meantime, folks, make sure you make Locked On ACC your second listen every day because host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On take you across the conference in 30 minutes. Make Locked On ACC your second listen. Thank you for making us your first. We will talk to you again tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Canes. We're part of the awesome Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.